Oh yeah, we're back. It's Christmas, and we're back here ready to roll. Welcome to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Joe has the day off, uh, probably recovering from all the eggnog that he guzzled. But we are here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL on YouTube. And follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on a jam-packed show for you today, Brad Spielberger from PFF at 1020 to go over how to bet on the MVP market. And then at 11 o'clock Eastern time, Rick Camp of 4 for 4 and Betspurts helps us with post-Christmas NBA bets. And then at 1120 Eastern time, Kelly Ford of thelines.com tells us what to expect for the New Year's Six Bowls, including the college football playoff semifinals. Aaron, this is our first chance to talk about our lives post-Christmas. How was your holiday? It was good. I was going to uh, do a little spoiler alert. Joe is not here because he's too busy vomiting because he heard I have the Lions in my power rankings coming up <laughs> later in the show. <laughs> That's what's what, really going on. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's a shame it's a he's serious... not here to hear it. <laughs> oh, yes. But but I'm here wearing apparently lion's blue to uh, enjoy the festivities. Right. Uh, you know, that that that's for darn sure. You know, it's funny because uh, I was in Louisiana seeing family and old childhood friends uh, over the weekend, uh, you know, enjoying the festive spirit and the occasions, all that good stuff. The airline for which I chose to fly, uh, if you will recall mm-hmm. last year, there was a bit of a snafu uh, involving one airline and people not getting home on time around Christmas, all of that stuff. And when I started to see delays yesterday, I was having like war flashbacks that this could happen to me and then this would be a complete disaster. And so the fact that I was able to get back on terra firma in Los Angeles last night, I'm very grateful for that, that uh, oh. you know we didn't have history uh repeating itself I, but but you, you I know how saw that a story about um another airline with a, a minor traveling and they didn't keep mm-hmm. track of them and the kid went to uh the wrong city so <laughs> right <laughs> that's always scary if you're a parent like, i know okay, right like how would that work that again. Uh, yeah exactly yeah how do you how do you make that mix up like you have a kid you have one job Make sure this kid is safe and gets to the right destination. But still, you fumble this and get him on the wrong flight. Like, it takes a lot to mess that up. I would love to see the results of this internal investigation to see how this went down. Because what is it? Like, the, the kid was supposed to go to Florida, and so it was the yeah. right state, but the wrong city. Like and so someone... Orlando and Fort Myers. I don't remember which cities were involved, but yeah. Something yeah, like I think that. that's it. Like, or Fort Myers, Fort Lauderdale, whatever it is. But yeah, it's like yeah. same right state, wrong city. And so it's possible <laughs> that, you know, some agent like took a quick glance at the ticket and thought uh, the kid was going on the right flight or whatever. Uh, and this entire investigation that, you know, is going to take a really long time. So they hope it kind of gets buried, uh, you know, underneath all the PR, uh, you know, panic campaigns, I guess. Uh, but still, though, like, how frightening is that to have this happen around Christmas? And and yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But shame on the parents also, like that airline, I almost want to call them out by name. They've had, they are notorious for having all kinds of issues. So yeah, that they yeah, are. You get what that you pay are. for, people. Yeah, exactly right. Like, if the ticket's a little cheaper, there's probably a reason why. Just like Good chance your kid's getting lost. 
Yeah. Exactly. Like, this is why the filet fish is oh so cheap, because it's made from cat oh, food. But if you're wow. going for the really cheap airline, there's probably a reason why it only costs 29 bucks to go across the country, uh, because it may not be reliable in terms of getting from point A to point B. That's how this works. It's economics. May Part of it. Maybe my New Year's resolution is to swear off the uh, fillet of fish. I was tempted going through the drive-through recently, and I passed. I'm very proud of Good. myself. I, I'm glad I've had that positive effect on you. I feel great. I, I feel great now. If I may borrow a line from one Jake Hassan who's filling in for Paul, and I understand Jake is also filling in for Jake in terms of all of his other responsibilities, it is serial killer behavior to get back from a trip and immediately unpack your suitcase or suitcases back to where all of your belongings go. You're supposed to be looking at your luggage for at least a little while uh, before everything yes. is unpacked uh, back to where it's supposed to be. So so there is that. And so when we're talking about uh, looking ahead to week 17, let's slowly unpack our luggage from week 16, figure out what kind of bets we need to be making going forward in terms of futures, uh, next game coming up and things like that. And why don't we start with the Bills, shall we? Because on the one hand, I'm seeing minus 1,000 for the Bills to make the playoffs. So that feels pretty good after all of the disasters that they've had to uh, deal with. At least it looks mm -hmm. like they are going to get into the tournament. Uh, but on the other hand, they're plus 275 on BetMGM to win the AFC East, largely because the Dolphins beat the Cowboys. And so my question to you, Aaron, Aww. is are there ways to tail or fade the Bills going forward with just two games remaining against New England and then Miami? Yeah, I mean, I think the Bills are red hot, and they are dangerous right now, and a big reason why is Josh Allen. So now with this matchup against the Patriots, you got a division matchup. This is a lot of points, even if you look at this one game. The Patriots rank 11th in defensive uh, DVOA versus the Bills, who rank 12th. I don't have a strong opinion on this individual matchup coming up, but I'm tempted to... Uh, take the points with the Pats in this one. Uh, but really, this is a Bills team that I wouldn't be surprised if they win their final games of the season and maybe Josh Allen, his odds shorten even more for MVP. But the turnovers, yes. the turnovers mm -hmm. still scare me mightily with Josh Allen. As they should, as they absolutely should. And we will certainly uh, discuss MVP and uh, other individual awards markets a little later on in the show. But when we're talking about the Bills, like, does this defense not concern you still? Like, with all of the injuries that they've had to endure and the fact that they're still giving up a ton of yards, a ton of points, all that stuff, and the fact that in the last game on Saturday against the Chargers, they got no pressure on Easton stick in the first half. Absolutely none. Offense had to see a lot less cover four from a bad Chargers pass defense and a lot more of everything else. And so I have some concerns as far as like Josh Allen being able to adjust, especially to a team he's seen before. So that might be a concern in terms of week 18. As far as this defense is concerned, uh, what we saw from Saturday night, if you were fortunate enough to even watch the game, which I'll get into in a minute, uh, but... You know, with the injuries, you know, still being a problem, the fact that they are not pressuring the quarterback, the fact that, you know, they're still giving up big plays, explosives and medium plays and all of that stuff. 
I go, yeah, Josh Allen, phenomenal. No doubt about it. But I feel like he's been phenomenal all season long. And the problem, though, is everything else around him has to take a step forward. And I just worry that, yes, the quarterback position is the most important, but that infrastructure around him needs to be sound. And I just have questions. Also, the biggest question is, I felt like we got a scare from the Bills against the Chargers. I think we were, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, what are we going to get after they fire Staley and the GM? Like, what's going to happen? But still, then the Bills and Josh Allen, to me, scared me. And I was like, "Uh Mm uh-oh, are we getting the old Bills again that we saw in the beginning of the season? Like, this isn't good. You only beat a Chargers team by two points? That, I mean, I'm still confident that this can be a dangerous Buffalo team, but Mm -hmm. it still worries me that this was the Chargers and you probably should have won by margin. Yes, uh, completely agree with that. Uh, By the way, I was at a restaurant and a bar Saturday night, neither of which were able to play the game. And so maybe I'm going a little bit off highlights and data as far as this one is concerned. Uh, But yes, such is the life of... uh, you know, streaming games. It's uh, most unfortunate that uh, at least I wasn't able to watch it easily. So that's too bad. Uh, But yes, I I completely agree with you. Like, I think one of the reasons why the Bills will still be dangerous is because there are so few quarterbacks in the AFC who you really trust right now. Like, we still trust, I think, Pat Mahomes just because he is the GOAT. Yes, the infrastructure around him certainly has a lot of questions, if we're being honest, uh, but we still trust Mahomes, right? And that connection with Andy Reid is still very important. Josh Allen, we still trust him. Lamar Jackson, we trust him. That might be it. I mean, that's a pretty short list in the AFC. So if we're only talking about three quarterbacks, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Lamar, Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Is that it? Yeah. Trevor Lawrence has fallen off a cliff. It's tough. Like, if the Bills played the Chiefs in the playoffs, like, I still think the whole Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes thing is real. Like, that, they could be a dangerous team. But the Chiefs have really fallen off. Like, you'll have to stay tuned for our power rankings to see where I have <laughs> Kansas City later in the show. But, yeah, I, I, it's if not you good have with Kansas, Kansas City. City. Exactly. Yes. Tease. It's a tease, if you will. But yeah, I mean, this is not good what's happening with them. And I I keep saying it like, oh, are they going to turn things around? I don't know. I don't know if they can. Maybe one game or two in the playoffs. But I don't have a lot of confidence in the Chiefs anymore. Yeah, let's let's go to them now. Because that loss to the Raiders uh, was, you know, damning in its own right. But I think also, too, the fact that the Chiefs still have a really effective pass defense I mean it's been fantastic all season long and in some ways it's carried them to the record that they have they are going to win the AFC West in all likelihood they're going to get the three seed so in terms of how much trust we can have in the Chiefs I wonder how much of this is just context right like is this just going to be a year where some random AFC team like oh I don't know the Browns or the you know the Bills with a paltry record uh, somehow make it out of there Uh, Or is it something where maybe there is enough time to establish some kind of rapport with at least one or two wide receivers? Like, obviously, Travis Kelsey, that's still great, but defenses can just double team him, and that's it. Like, that's it. Nothing more you can do about that. But if Mahomes can develop a rapport with, like, a Rasheed Rice, who is a rookie, or, say, MVS can, like, take care of the drops problem or whatever it is, 
then I don't know if it just fixes everything right away because there may be some offensive line issues and woes there. But again, when we're talking about context, the AFC is really banged up. And I wonder if even like an 80%, 90% Chiefs attack can still be enough. And that's the question. Like, is this Chiefs team talented enough to clean things up with very little time remaining in the regular season to fix this stuff before the playoffs? I mean, the the turnovers, the drop passes, the mental <laughs> miscues, the penalties. It, can they is is this Chiefs team good enough to flip a switch and maybe they're just like, oh, whatever, come playoff time, we'll be fine. I don't know because we haven't really seen them turn it around thus far right like where has the proof been like oh yeah we can flip a switch we just did it against this team and you know the Raiders don't have much to play for we didn't really care about that game we'll see you in the playoffs like I don't think this Chiefs team is that good (laughs) every season creates its own challenges its own problems dilemmas that you have to overcome all of that stuff just because you're trying to put together a dynasty doesn't necessarily mean that everything that worked last year can work the following season like you have your own new issues and clearly the chiefs have several of them they were able to overcome them last year and that's fine but just read the body language read the you know the the vocal displeasure that pat mahomes is inflicting on everybody at some point, this has to matter. And you look at the numbers that Mahomes is putting up, like they're still good, but they're not Mahomesian, you know? Like it's not the best stuff that we're seeing. The data doesn't exactly reflect this elite offense that we've come to know and expect. And so in that regard, uh, there absolutely should be questions going forward. So definitely that will be one to keep an eye on. Something else too, uh, before we go to break here, uh, Brown smoke Texans 36 to 22. We will talk about Joe Flacco's chances of winning comeback player of the year a little later on in the Uh-oh. program. But I want to talk about the AFC South. No harm, no foul. Everybody lost, right? Jaguars, Texans, Colts. What are we supposed to do with this division now? I don't know, because Trevor Lawrence now is dealing with a sprained AC joint. That Mm -hmm. is not good. Like, can he even play this week? What are they going to do? I I mean, he's doubtful, but he it said he was doubtful to practice uh, today. So I don't really know how quickly or realistic that is that he can be out there. But I would be very concerned. Uh, Maybe Panthers money line. We can get into it. Whoa, <laughs> that's that's just a mic drop that's right going there. Really just, far. Just pick it up yeah. out off the stand and then just drop it for everybody because you're taking Carolina yeah. Panthers. Hey, you know what? That's, it's it's <laughs> fair. Not? Yeah, right. Yeah, why not? Happy New Year, everybody. This is Becky All Daily presented <laughs> by BetMGM. Coming up next, we continue our recap of the weekend's action and dive into what we saw on Monday Night Football right here on the Becky All Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.
Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And let's get back to our recap of Week 16 as we look ahead to Week 17. And let's start with Monday Night Football, shall we? The Ravens get the upset. They cover the number. In fact, they win outright, knocking off the 49ers 33-19. to Brock Purdy had a not-so-good contest, 18 of 32, 255 yards. Of course, the big talking point was the four interceptions. Christian McCaffrey, 14 carries, 103 yards and a score. Lamar Jackson, 23 of 35, 252 with a couple of scores. Also carried the rock for a total of 45 yards. And then, of course, the left tackle for the 49ers, Trent Williams. He got hurt. His backup got hurt in this matchup as well. So of all of the various storylines happening for Monday Night Football, Aaron, which one stands out the most as we look ahead? Trent Williams. You know, I think you could make the argument he's the MVP of the team because remember when he was injured earlier this season and they went on like a three-game losing streak, something like that? It was not Mm -hmm. good. So as Trent Williams goes... So does San Francisco <laughs> and Brock Purdy and the run game. You know, I just think it's a big deal. Obviously, he's never winning the MVP, but we've talked about it. You know, I covered Trent for years here, and he's a very, very important piece to this 49ers team. So if he's not good to go, look out. And and not to discredit <laughs> like what Lamar's doing as well. I mean, mm-hmm. he's phenomenal. That performance was Crucial. I mean, you needed to beat the best team in the NFC, and they did. And so his uh, MVP case looks really strong right now. Yeah, it really does. And I wonder if we can start to say, first off, if we're talking about the Ravens, that can we put this to bed that the offense absolutely needs Mark Andrews to shine? Like, I think Isaiah likely has been more than impactful given his role. He's been just fine. Uh, Let's see. 5.1 total EPA when targeted. That's really good. Also, this is not just a run-first offense by Baltimore. They can pass the football, and it can be to receivers. That's also been super impressive. I mean, you know, we've talked about Zay Flowers being really important, so that's been good. Odell Beckham has certainly has his impact. It's something where finally they have weapons, and they're using them properly. And yes, I get that Lamar Jackson doesn't have the best counting stats, and this is definitely going to be something I want to chat about with Brad Spielberger later on in the show as far as what to do about Lamar Jackson's counting stats because they don't add up to what some of the other MVP candidates have. And I think that is safe to at least admit and look at and recognize. Yet at the same time, if MVP is about, okay, a leader among men, someone who can lead his offense to successful drives and can get the overall team behind him to many, many victories, division titles, conference titles, whatever it is, Lamar Jackson is certainly checking all of those boxes. And it's one of those weird dynamics and conundrums where you go, okay, yes, there are quarterbacks who have played better, but they rely on Lamar Jackson a good bit more. And so how do you quantify that? How do you put that into some sort of nice, concise argument? And that really has been a challenge all season long. I mean, it's incredible. Leading the team in both passing and rushing, I mean, if that doesn't scream MVP, (laughs) what are we (laughs) doing? Whereas you look at a team, you know, like the Niners, and they've got a few guys like, 
any anyone you listen to could name a different guy that they think could be an MVP on that team, whereas Lamar's just doing it all. And I also agree with you on Zay Flowers. I mean, he was held to just seven yards receiving, and then he had nine receptions for 72 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, as a rookie, I think you expect some up and down. Maybe they're still finding ways to include him and use him in this offense, but I, I really liked what I saw for him. And he has four touchdowns in his past four games. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, re- you mentioned likely, and I think Zay Flowers, you got to say stock up on him as well for this offense. No doubt about it. I kind of wish these things were a little bit sooner for him. Maybe uh, yeah. an even more impactful player. We're talking about like rookie of the year and all of that stuff. Cause uh, oh, no. certainly there, there may be a ticket on him uh, that was uh, set in the preseason, <laughs> but when we're talking about the 49ers, uh, Adam Schefter tweeted this out. Uh, Brock Purdy suffered a second stinger in two games Monday night. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said, you know how stingers are. It could be worse, but I think he'll be all right. Uh, And then Shafter then talked about Trent Williams suffering a groin injury. Jalen Moore got a concussion. The backup Aaron Banks injured his toe. And so it may be one of those things where when we're evaluating the best offenses in football, who's just going to have a really healthy, effective left tackle? If that's all it is, because, I mean, we saw that in the Cowboys game against Dolphins, right? Like when Tyron Smith isn't out there, Dak Prescott is a completely different quarterback. He has to trust his protection because we've seen throughout his career when Smith isn't out there, he's not nearly as effective. And I think that's what we're seeing from the 49ers as well, where Brock Purdy has to trust that protection. If he does, then yes, he's a very good quarterback. But when he doesn't have that, he can't necessarily elevate everyone else's game, unlike, say, what Lamar Jackson can do if, say, someone is missing. At least you can still trust him in key spots. Yeah, (laughs) I was watching that game thinking – Cause there was a time where I was like, he's not winning MVP. And then, you know, it started to look like, okay, I was wrong. And I missed the really good number. So now I'm petty and I can't bet it. But when he <laughs> had three interceptions and it wasn't even halftime, I was like, hallelujah. Like I did not miss out. Thank goodness. Like I saw a crazy story about someone who spent like a hundred grand on prop swap to buy a pretty MVP ticket recently and imagine imagine that yeah wow crazy crazy well and again we'll talk about mvp later on in the show but what's crazy to me is that like the mvp market has been really volatile right like it wasn't that long ago when we were talking about Dak Prescott sort of being the clubhouse leader and going all right yeah it's a really tough schedule but if he gets through it nobody's gonna beat him well turns out he didn't get through it right like he's 0-2 right now and yes they are favorites against the Lions uh, but still though like that wasn't that long ago when we were having I wouldn't have been mad at the guy it started to feel like a lock like okay Purdy's probably winning it because really no one is running away with it and it seems like a quarterback award so it's gonna go to him and now it's like whoa a lot of things changed right yes all of this is true though if in I if I can play devil's advocate as far as Brock Purdy's MVP chances for a moment 
some of those interceptions were tip balls. Some of those really weren't his fault. And that first one, when it was a too high safety look and he was still throwing to Debo Samuel, even though he wasn't supposed to. Yes, that's entirely on him. And that's one of those things where with additional experience, he probably doesn't make those kinds of mistakes. But some of those interceptions, too, were tip balls. And so I do wonder if maybe if you didn't like Brock Purdy coming in, and you see all of those interceptions, then you feel really good about the argument that you were already making. You're still clutching yeah. your priors. But I also think if you feel like that Brock Purdy is a really good quarterback, then you kind of explain away those interceptions as well. So, you know, was anybody convinced one way or the other? I'm sure a few were, but I also feel like the majority of folks who had some strong opinion about Brock Purdy, they're still believing whatever that is, even after that contest. I'm probably somewhere in the middle, like mm-hmm. not having a bet on him to win MVP, like from that perspective as a better, I'm like, oh, great. He's got three interceptions. <laughs> Whew, I didn't miss out. I don't have FOMO anymore. But at the same time, like I am curious to see how he responds. He's still a young quarterback. He's got a lot of talent. I, I'm not going to overreact if you like this guy stinks and, you know, go that far with it. Well, and you know how this Ravens defense is, right? Like, it's feast or famine. Either, so good. Yeah. yeah, like, either they're making a ton of incredible plays, getting all these takeaways and pick sixes and all that stuff. Either they're just stupid elite, or they can get burned by explosives every now and again. And it just happened to be the former in this contest. And that's why next week, you know, this upcoming weekend's going to be so intriguing because they're going up against an offense that certainly is primed for a ton of explosives. And if they have enough healthy pieces there, this is going to be a really fascinating game, not just in terms of betting on that, but how we bet on MVP and other futures going forward. Like, yeah, we were treated to something really special Christmas night, but there's more where that came from. Yeah, and also, you know, they the Ravens were handed a gift with a banged-up offensive line, and they took advantage of that. You know, had Trent finished the game, I'd be curious to see, you know, how it would have ended. But, uh, you know, hey, a little luck, too. And that <laughs> might be the story of this season come playoff time. Like, mm-hmm. luck and health, because all of these teams, like, have looked vulnerable. <laughs> Yeah, and and I know there's always, like, that element of luck and health in the playoffs. Like, it it happens every single year, and that's why, like, sometimes we have Super Bowl champions, and we're like, them? Really? Or, like, when the Bengals made the Super Bowl. Like, you know, they were on an uptick, but it felt really early for them to make it that far. The following year, maybe we had a little bit more confidence in them, maybe even this season before Joe Burrow got hurt. Uh, But sometimes Mm -hmm. that's just how it is. Sometimes it just dems to breaks. Uh, But... I completely agree that like somebody perhaps will just be healthier than everybody else. And then that's how they're able to make a run. But at the end of the day, at the end of the season, we may go, "Eh, really them. I can think of like three or four better teams if they have all of their pieces, but that's football. That's reality. It's just kind of how this works. Uh, How about we move on now? uh, Cause Mason Rudolph, the Steelers knocked off the Cincinnati Bengals, 34 to 11 Uh, Rudolph, 297, two scores, do you feel like that the Steelers are still alive uh, in this playoff hunt, uh, even though there's certainly some teams with higher probabilities? Are you still believing in Pittsburgh? Are you are you not regretting that Instagram reel after all? Uh, I, I still am. You know, things oh, okay. really did unravel after that. They're definitely not getting the one seed. 
but maybe it was just a cool story like mason rudolph christmas game like george pickens looked really good he had a career performance 195 receiving yards two touchdowns there was a lot to like but this this steelers team overall like are they good i don't know I mean, week to week, it's just like you never know what you're going to get from them. So as a better, I don't have a lot of confidence in them anymore. Obviously, I'm still invested. But... Right. Oh, you are. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. Back and off. I wonder off, if that. Yeah, right. I wonder if this game told me more about the Bengals than it did the Steelers. Because there was a lot of hope and a lot of optimism coming in for Cincinnati. And I, I I think it's one of those things where we have to remind ourselves why a backup quarterback is a backup quarterback to begin with. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that the ceiling can't be high because certainly we've seen some backup quarterbacks who've had phenomenal performances. Like that's certainly possible. I mean, heck, Joe Flacco. I mean, we may be talking about him a lot throughout the festivities today. He is still a backup quarterback. Like, you know, I would be just shocked if somebody gave him a starting opportunity uh, way they, where they are expecting their franchise to be carried to the Super Bowl because of Joe Flacco. It's not going to happen. He's still a backup. But I think we might mistake this idea of a backup quarterback being someone who has sort of a medium ceiling or a low ceiling, whatever it is. I would argue that some backup quarterbacks are just inconsistent. Yeah, they can have some ceilings. But the floor can be very low as well. And I think that's kind of what we saw from Jake Browning. Worst EPA per drop back, total EPA when he started uh, happened in this game. And he had a good CPOE, so he was making some decent throws. And his receivers played well at times, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd for sure. But I think the variance of these wildcard teams is quite high involving these backup quarterbacks. You know, this is something that could also happen with Jacksonville. And I think it's also alluding to this idea that the Jaguars may not be nearly as much of a guarantee with the Panthers if they're going to C.J. Beathard. So if that's the case, then it's really hard to say, all right, well, how do we bet on this stuff? Do we just naturally take the dog? Well, I might argue, okay, if you believe the dog can win this because of high variance by a backup who's the favorite, just take them on the money line, right? Do an alt spread, do something like that. Don't get crazy, but it might be something where a lopsided spread just means a larger payout for you because a backup quarterback's variance is naturally larger. Hmm. I like that. I mean, would you go as far as to just take money line, hoping that you're going to get an inconsistent (laughs) performance and be on the right side of it? betting wise. I mean, that's the tough thing about all of these backups. I mean, we've seen so many and, and sometimes like Mason Rudolph, we see a good game. Is he due for a dud against the Seahawks? Like, what are we going to get? It's so hard to know uh, week to week with all these backups. Yeah, exactly. By the way, uh, seeing the Jaguars sign Matt Barkley off of the Giants practice squad yesterday, like Barkley's back in the league. What year am I in? Yeah, oh right? Exactly. Gosh. Like, I, I should look of way backups, younger. Yeah, what right? in the world? Kind of want to back, back Barkley. Why not? Oh, He'll give you boy. a good game. Yeah, right. <laughs> what a joke. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, the Ravens are the best team in the league. We know this. But what about the teams behind them? Let's rank the NFL two through six. Our power rankings are next right here on the BetQL Network.
We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. We will get to our power rankings in just a bit, but first we were remarking during the break, Joe is uh, off today, uh, but why can't Tucker fill in for Joe? Why can't Tucker just fill in permanently for Joe? We still have our three box that you can see on Twitch and YouTube, but one of them just happens to be an adorable puppy that also can make uh, bets for us. That would be fun. Like how sometimes you see like a zoo has like a live cam on an animal. Mm -hmm. We just have like Tucker on and then we can chime in when he's doing different things. I like that. Just just put him in the office and, and let the camera go and we can just, you know, keep an eye on Tucker. Yeah, that would be awesome. Why can't we set this up? Like even if Tucker is sleeping, it's an adorable puppy sleeping. Like that would be fun. I think we would I've, get into a more festive I feel spirit. like everyone loves animals, so maybe, uh, you know, we'd see our Twitch numbers go way <laughs> up if Tucker joined us. Yeah, and oh, by the way, here's how to make money on the Baltimore Ravens going forward. Like, exactly, that's the it's a idea. win-win. Animals yes, exactly. and sports betting. Who doesn't You don't that? see anyone else doing a live puppy cam on their streams, so I think we'd be the first. Aww. Oh, it's yawning. I can't stand oh, it. Oh, so cute. oh, man. My sister had a done of dogs. <laughs> and so like, I was also just, you know, all buttered up and just, just losing it, just melting with all of the Britney Spaniels. I was so happy. So yes, <laughs> happy holidays, one and all, everybody. Okay, uh, power rankings day. So we know the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the NFL, right? Like I think it's safe to say they have the one seed in the AFC, despite all of the insanity going on in that conference. At least the Ravens have risen to the top, and we are comfortable saying that. And they knocked off the one seed in the NFC in the the 49ers. And so what do you think, Aaron, has kind of impressed you the most about what Baltimore has done so far? they're just doing it on both sides of the ball and they've been consistent in a year where there has been a lot of variance in every week, every Monday we're on the show and it's like mm-hmm. a new team that we thought was good, you know, gets annihilated. And then it's like, Oh, now things are changing the MVP race. You know, that's changing week to week. And maybe it's more about like the Ravens and Lamar Jackson haven't done anything to lose that top spot. Like, They've just been mm-hmm. there, you know, and there's no real argument against them at this point. And this is a team that I trust. They've been consistent. And I think even if, you know, Lamar's numbers aren't quite there and, you know, you can make arguments for a Brock Purdy or a Josh Allen, it's just, it, they're just getting it done. Mm-hmm. They are. They are. And it's a franchise. You know, my data scientist heart has always loved the Ravens for the last several years because they're always analytically driven. They're always finding new ways to be creative and revolutionary. And they're certainly doing that here. And I wonder if perhaps what's impressed me the most about the Ravens is that Lamar Jackson can just stay healthy. Like, I think we kind of forget that injury history sort of marred what has otherwise been a really impressive career. It has an MVP trophy on the mantle. The LinkedIn profile has some really cool stuff on it. 
And I think because like that year they came up just short in terms of making it to the Super Bowl. And after that, you know, Jackson has dealt with COVID issues and other, you know, ailments that has kept him off the field. And it was something where, and I know a lot of other, you know, pundits have talked about this, but it is something where this past offseason, a lot of people were thinking that Lamar Jackson would be wearing another uniform and teams weren't necessarily willing to go out of their way to come up with some sort of really creative package uh, for the Ravens to acquire his services. And so when you look at all of that, you go, the Ravens knew how to unlock Lamar Jackson. I'm not sure everyone else knew how to do that. And they've kept him healthy through 16 weeks. And that combination shows me at least why the Ravens do deserve to be where they are. Well, do you also think there's anything to the fact that, like, Lamar wanted to get paid? I think he felt a mm-hmm. bit disrespected by the Ravens. You know, he's representing himself, so he's like, hey, I got a little COVID. Oh, I can't <laughs> play. It's very unfortunate. <laughs> but now the, he got paid, he's on the field, and he's healthy. I'm just saying something. <laughs> there seems to be something to it, you know? The lesson learned is represent yourself. Don't have an agent, right? Like that's the lesson in all of this. And and don't put yourself out there to get killed if you're not getting paid, right? Exactly. Why risk it? Yeah, like football contracts aren't as uh, safe as, say, other sports. And so, you know, get whatever guarantees you can. I understand that. Nothing wrong with it. So Ravens, we agree. They're the number one team in the NFL. But let's talk about two through six, shall we? Who are the biggest contenders, uh, say, against the Ravens uh, during the playoffs, getting all the way up to the Super Bowl? So uh, Aaron and I have each power ranked the NFL, ranks two through six. And how about we go ahead and get started? And I'll go ahead and kick things off and have as my number two team in the NFL the San Francisco 49ers. I still believe that despite a lackluster performance that we did see the top two teams play on Monday night. And look, we also need to give our flowers to Dre Greenlaw here. I think he's been massively underrated in terms of why the 49ers are in this fantastic spot. He's been masterful in coverage as a linebacker, no doubt. Nine receptions under expected, CPOE of minus 13%. You still go after him because of the position he plays, but it doesn't matter. Quarterbacks are going to get burned. You will be foiled. Offense will still be a threat with so many playmakers led by Christian McCaffrey. I think the 49ers will be just fine. Just make sure that Trent Williams can be healthy. Brock Purdy can be healthy. As long as those things can happen, I think the 49ers can still win the NFC. Number three, the Buffalo Bills. On this list, I want teams that can score once they get to the red zone. And when Buffalo chooses to pass, they have the second highest passer rating at 111 with 18 touchdowns to show for it, people. They're also leaning into that run game a little more. We saw it unlocked against the Cowboys. If they can execute complimentary football, the Bills will be dangerous. Number four, the Miami Dolphins. I need to know this passing attack will be more than just about Tyreek Hill. It absolutely has to be because when you're going up against elite secondaries, you're going to have a corner. You're going to have a 
couple of defensive backs go up against Tyreek Hill in zone coverage, you got to be able to throw it to somebody else. And I do believe that the Dolphins can contend now in this department. Durham Smythe, the tight end, Jalen Waddle had a great reception against Dallas. Waddle did lead that game, but assuming he returns in week 17, suddenly this Dolphins offense can become explosive on many fronts, not just one of them. Defense is also growing up before our very eyes. We saw Dak throw into a lot of tight windows, and he was just not going in Jalen Ramsey's direction. If you can get other elite offenses not to have certain throws at their disposal, you are a good defense. And I think the Dolphins, at season's end, could be one of the more complete teams in the NFL. Then at number five, Perhaps a little controversial because they lost Monday, but I still have the Kansas City Chiefs in my top five. They should be punished for losing to the Raiders, but not massively so because Pat Mahomes is still the GOAT and he still has Andy Reid as, as his head coach. And look, the defense is playing well. And I thought they played well against the Raiders. In fact, quite well. Mahomes still has the fifth highest success rate against split safeties. He only needs to burn that kind of look a few times for an opponent to get more aggressive. And then he can do his magic. Now, he does need to establish a little bit more of a rapport with one or two wide receivers, perhaps notably Rasheed Rice, the rookie. But still, though, if that can happen in a few weeks, then the Chiefs will be dangerous once again. And look, they're probably snagging the three seed. They'll get a home playoff game. So they can still largely do whatever they want. So they should be just fine. And then at number six, I still have the Dallas Cowboys high on my list. Go. Yes. Get out of here. Yes, I do. Absolutely, the Dallas Cowboys are still great. They went up against number three and number four. That does not mean that they stink. It just means they're number six. That's all you have to say about that. Yeah. Going back home on Saturday night will be huge for them. They will play way better in the confines of AT&T Stadium. There's a reason why Dallas is a six-point favorite against the Detroit Lions, a team that you seem to like very much, and Joe vomits over in in a projectile kind of way. So 49ers, Bills, Dolphins, Chiefs, Cowboys. (coughs) Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. Well, I'm not shocked by it. I kind of expected it from you, to be honest. All right, let's go. So we had we had some similarities, but uh, five and six, definitely different, and a couple teams flip-flopped. So let's begin. At number two, I also had the Niners. I think San Francisco will be just fine. It was a game. Was it a tough look losing to the Ravens like that? Uh, yeah, it was. Brock Purdy, three interceptions for halftime. No bueno. The other issue, Trent Williams. I, you know, I was reading about it, and Shanahan said that Trent told, you know, the medical staff that he's all right. He wants to go back in the game. That he's just fine. And they were like, No, no, no. We got to keep Trent out. If Trent plays, and I know he probably will, and he'll do everything he can to play. And you know, he's 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 the MVP to this team, in my opinion then I think they'll be all right. If if for some reason this groin injury is a bigger deal and he does miss time in the playoffs, especially, then I think the Niners will be in trouble. But for now, I'm not going to overreact. I think, you know, we, we knew this was like a Super Bowl preview. Someone had to lose this game. Uh, number three, we have 
the Dolphins. Sorry, Ed, but you know the Dolphins did have to beat the Cowboys. This is just what the boys do. They like to lose important games. So the Dolphins have been running the ball well. (laughs) (laughs) They handled their business against Dallas. And now uh, they've got another tough test. They got to play the Ravens, another playoff type game. I wonder how these teams that are going to be battle tested heading into the playoffs fair come playoff time. Like, will that help them that they face some pretty good competition? Um, you look at the Ravens, you know, they just played the, the Niners. Now they play the Dolphins. It'll be interesting to see. All right. And there's the music. It's like, you know, the Grammys when you ran out of time. <laughs> But what we can do, though, unlike the Grammys, we can come back and finish the list. So we don't have to go to other awards. We can come back and get uh, Aaron's Fortress picks. That's how we're going to tease the next segment. And also we'll talk about MVP as well. Coming up right here on the BetQL Network.